GM, everyone. Welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And this time around, we go to the cultural part of the flywheel with the pickle himself. LOL DeFi on the pod. Uh, we get into his entire story. Uh, we get into his thought process. We get into, you know, all the different stories. You know, we get into a lot here. Uh, a lot. A lot, a lot. A lot of stories, a lot of funny stories, a lot of deep stories, and a lot of great actionable advice. Like, this is a really good pod. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I was just telling Dave that, you know, I, you, the audience also knows I don't normally engage in these more vibey episodes, but I was just drawn into this conversation and the, the creativity, uh, the character, it was just, it, it was a, a joy to listen to. I would definitely kick yeah. this up, maybe even save this for like a nice weekend, just chill and Yo. just put this on and just vibe, you know, like this is a good yeah. listen to vibe. Yeah, no you know, notes needed. <laughs> no notes needed. You know, I'm really excited to see who Anon come out. I'm really excited for his new project that he mentioned in the pod, but we'll right, save right. that for the pod. You got to listen to it first. And, you know, he gives his alpha uh, on things that he's looking at in 2024 and beyond. So make sure you tune in. But before we get into the episode, make sure you go ahead, give us a bell button. So you can be notified at every time Flywheel is on your feed. And subscribe. Subscribe right now. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. Make sure you follow us on our social media, at FlywheelDefi, on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. Make sure you go ahead to our website, FlywheelDefi.com, and subscribe to your newsletter for all the latest updates in Alpha. You can follow me on Twitter, at DefiDave22. You follow me at 0xCapitalK. And let's get the Flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH, but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everyone. Welcome back to this edition of Flywheel. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K as always. And this time around, we have on the man... The myth, the pickle, the degen, the merch aficionado, and everything in between we have on L O L DeFi. L O DeFi or LOL DeFi. How's it going? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I've I've recently had people calling me laugh out loud decentralized finance. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's how, that's how that's they call my me. Full name. Yeah, like my full name is Decentralized Finance David. Like that was a trend for like <laughs> the summer into the fall of all the conference. Like it's like Decentralized Finance David. I'm like, what's good? I love <laughs> it. it. I love it. Yeah, I guess, you know, since the new cycle is coming up, like, you know, institutions are entering. We have to like, use our full names now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, time to well, it's also, you know, in the deep air, you can't help but get long everywhere. So you got to elongate your names too. Long the names too. <laughs> got to long the names too. <laughs> But yeah, I'm really excited for this interview coming up. Like, I'm repping the uh, OG DeFi Summer merch, DeFi Drain. And then also, I got the the sushi rug right here. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Dude, you know what's wild is I don't even have, I don't even don't, have one. I have... You don't have so, one? <laughs> Dude, before, look, before we like had them properly made, we yeah. had these shitty sample versions. 
and they, it's like not the same material and it kind of it's like really nice rough. it's really comfortable like i wake up every morning put my feet on the rug start my day i love oh, that yeah. i love that i, I remember that. it took so oh. i can't imagine the supply chain issues with this because it took a while for me to get i'm oh, like where's yeah. the rug so, yeah. yeah we actually we actually had a major issue where the the initial fulfillment partner that we had lost like half of the stock and it's not like uh, a few t-shirts laying around dude it's like big fucking tubes of rugs i'm like how the fuck did you lose how do you lose some it, rugs it was like you got 35. rugs out of your rugs <laughs> yeah i know people are still <laughs> mad at me they think it was like a fucking social experiment or an art piece <laughs> but like i was actually rugging people i, I still today people still hit me up like yo i bought a rug off you two years ago dude i'm like yeah we we, we had some problems with that so we ended up having to produce like 40 more rugs which was below the minimum order from the factory we just had to beg them and explain and they ended up doing it. So about half the orders that uh, we fulfilled ended up being like three months late or longer, actually, in some cases. Uh, so, okay. Um, but yeah, we got there. We got there. We got but there. You hey, know, yeah. finish the job. But, but that would have been a sick product. If you're like, bro, I, I bought a rug. And then your reply like, that's exactly what you got. You got a rug. Yeah, you got a rug. <laughs> some some people rug. are convinced that was what it was, but it's like I didn't mean it to be like that, oh. you know? Yeah, no, for sure. But um, before before we get into uh, that era, the DeFi merch era, I want to go before um, but before you're in crypto, you're in fashion. And can you tell yeah. us a bit more about like that part of your life in fashion? And you know what in streetwear did you really notice that you know stuck out and found success? And why you mentioned in a past interview that you fell out of touch with fashion, and why you fell out of touch with that industry? Yeah. Um... It wasn't so much like the, like when I say I fell out of love with the industry, it was more so like the people mm. I was around and the environment that that created, right? It's like mm -hmm. from, from, from when I was maybe like 13, 14, I've always found fashion to be interesting. Um, I always thought it was like really cool, always wanted to get involved somehow, some way, and I ended up doing so. Um, as I got older and kind of like pursued it a little more, made some more connections and got a little more serious, you you kind of fall into this like really specific fashion calendar, which is mm. like, which is fine. But what comes with that is this weird endless cycle of like, uh, just like bullshit networking. It's like you could have uh, the best brand in the world and Barney's or Selfridges aren't going to stock your shit unless you're like doing lines with the head buyer at some fashion week party in a bathroom somewhere. So it's like, it oh, became much more about like this drug fueled fucking party environment where like you had to be in the right place at the right time. But all of these events was just like people stood in little clicks in the room, staring at each other from across the room, like <laughs> judging each other based on their outfits. Like when you go to a crypto event, it still feels a little clicky sometimes, but it's, it's everyone's way more approachable, right? Yeah. And uh, it feels more collaborative and family orientated and it's way better vibes. Um, but it took me years to find out that there were other other industries where people were actually fucking nice. And oh. like your, 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 your work actually mattered. Like if you build good shit or you design good shit, people fuck with you. In fashion, it doesn't work like that. It's very it's very closed off and you have to be invited to the table. Uh, so, um, so what, that was why yeah. I fell out of love with it technically. Uh, so what are some more differences you see with, you know, the crypto conference circuit and the fashion circuit and maybe some similarities too? Um, I think there would be similarities in a sense of like, 
I do think there is somewhat still a hierarchical social system with the crypto communities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little easier to infiltrate. Um, you have, you know, like, I fucking love Proof of Jake, right? You wouldn't necessarily... Ass- <laughs> yeah, he's my boy, bro. You <laughs> so wouldn't funny. necessarily, like, put him in certain situations because because uh, he's very young, right? He's a little, he's a little maybe naive sometimes. But mm-hmm. he's like so nice, so chill, um, super smart, often overlooked. And then he has his like funny online persona. And to be able to be that like degenerate online and just be silly and, and meme and laugh mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you don't get that in fashion. You have to be mm-hmm. very like cool all the fucking time. And it just gets like really, really tiring. Um, so like it's it's similar in some respects, but the differences make it like easier to kind of get in and out of certain environments if you want like dude there's been times where like i don't know i was at some party i've always had like a crush on melton right melton right and so like i was at some party i was at some party i was like backstage and uh i was talking to i think it was ashley shap and i, I was saying i like really fancied melton and she was like you want to you want to say hi to her i'm like yeah she's like all right she's right there and I look behind me and she just like sat on this chair on her own texting. And I'm like drunk as fuck. I just get up and go sit down and I'm like, hi, I love you. And like put my <laughs> hand out. And we just start talking and now we're homies. Um, that type of shit, bro. If I went up to the Melton equivalent of the fashion world at some party and said, hey, I love you. I'd have been thrown out in 10 seconds by security and it would have been this big thing and I'd have been blacklisted from the next event and stuff. Uh, but here oh. it's just funny and people funny. don't take it. Yeah. Don't take it. Don't, like, don't take yourself seriously. Don't take others too seriously. It's all just chill. Yeah. One industry, the oh. fashion industry, it's mask on literally you get to play yeah. a part, play yeah. a role literally. Yeah. And yeah. then in crypto, like you don't have a mask. It's mask off. Fuck it. Mask, mask, off. mask optional. <laughs> mask <laughs> optional. <laughs> mask Wait, optional. Which, yeah. yeah, lo- yeah. Lo- I wanted to ask, you said you mentioned everything was by the calendar in fashion. C- can you elaborate a bit more on that? Cause I feel crypto yeah, is kind of so, also like that. Yeah. So, um, in, in, in fashion, there's basically <clears throat> twice a year, every year you have fashion week. And to the outside world, it looks like this really fun, glamorous thing where all the famous people go and have fun. Um, what it really is, it, so there are two seasons every year. There's spring, summer, and autumn, winter, or fall, winter, if you're American. And uh, each fashion week is basically brands and designers showing retailers and future consumers what their next season is going to look like. So when you go to a fashion week in spring, summer, and it's 2023, you're seeing what's going to release in spring, summer 2024. And the idea from the brand's perspective and designer's perspective is that you meet with stores. Stores look at your future collection and say like, okay, we'll buy some of this, we'll buy some of that. They buy it wholesale. They place their orders. You then manufacture the stuff and deliver it by a certain date. And it goes on sale in 12 months time. Um, So for for five, six years that I was in that industry, um, I did a I did a bunch of things in that space. But one of the things I did was I, I co-founded a menswear store, streetwear store, uh, based here in London. We did a lot of like international pop-ups. And so for like five or six years of doing that, I would be at Fashion Week twice twice a year at every fashion week. So twice a year there'd be a London one, Paris one, Milan mm-hmm. and New York. And there are other ones now, but aren't considered major. So like Toronto has one, Dubai has one, some other cities do, but they're not a part of like the official fashion week council. They're just like, you know, people want to be a part of it and they want a reason to throw events and 
brands that are based out there want to have somewhere to showcase their shit. Um, and it just became very fucking tiring, dude. It was like, it looks all fun and glamorous from the outside, but the reality is you're up at 6 a.m. You're at fucking fashion houses and trade shows from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. You go for a dinner somewhere. Then you go to a party to network. You're out doing coke until 3, 4 in the morning. Then you go home, sleep two hours, wake up the next day, do the same shit again for like four days in a row. And it's just fucking draining. And unless you have really big budgets and you're happy to take losses and then you have creative ways to make money on the stuff you don't sell, like with sales or whatever, if you're like a small store like we are, you don't really make that much money. And brands aren't super excited to get in your store because you're not Selfridges. You're not going to place big order numbers. So you've got mm. to find these niche brands that want to have a cool factor instead of going super mainstream as quick as possible. But the more brands that were being born into the world, the more it became a business opportunity, not a passion. So um, it just became more and more difficult. I also had a really fucking stupid partner who was older than me wouldn't listen to me and i had the best ideas because i'm a fucking genius and he just wouldn't right. <laughs> he just like wouldn't pay attention mm. and uh yeah we ended up going our separate ways and i started working for some other brands and stuff like that but yeah it was uh it, it, it's a tricky environment to stay full-time yeah five six years in those trenches that's intense <laughs> yeah dude, that's a lot was, of coke uh, I'm just kidding. That's a lot of Oh man. That's too funny. So uh, when did you make the switch from working in fashion to working in crypto? Because you had quite the career in crypto uh, from like being an ICO reviewer to working at crypto.com and other things. Like when did that switch happen? Um summer twenty seventeen. Um, yeah, I had I had left class. the store I was working with for a while. Um I was doing some freelance stuff. I was doing like marketing and, and you know, uh, some design work, but mainly like digital marketing for like a bunch of brands. Um, some really cool ones too. And then 2017, I was living with a developer and he kind of, I knew about Bitcoin for a while, but I didn't really know you could trade it. Like we played on the dark web sometimes and thought it was cool. And then uh, he was trying to like blue pill me, Ethereum blue pill me. And I didn't get it for like two weeks. I didn't really give a fuck. <laughs> And then just like one day something just fucking snapped and I was like, okay, like I, I, something clicked. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, I'd always been a bit of a nerd at heart. Like I was always a gamer. I always like would like read about like techie things, found it really interesting, but I was so fixated on fashion. I didn't think I could like make that change. And then 2017, I just decided to like dive headfirst into crypto. I didn't have much money at the time, maybe like 2K to my name, um, put some of that into Ethereum and fucking Ripple and Cardano and all that type of shit. Uh, made some decent money, like for me, made maybe like 40K, thought I was like the fucking smartest guy ever. Bag held it throughout Christmas and lost everything immediately. <laughs> Many such and cases. And I was like, yeah, I was like, maybe I'm not a fucking a super smart genius, actually. I just got lucky. And then I, I was thinking about what to do, but I was so obsessed with the space. Um, I just like didn't want to leave it. So from sort of like January, February, 2018 time, uh, one of the YouTube channels that I was using to learn were hiring. And uh, instead of filling out the form, I just made a video doing a crypto news review, sent it to him. And I was like, bro, you're US, I'm UK, two time zones. Let's uh, Let's run it, hire me. And he ended up doing so. 
throughout time, I then became the ICO reviewer. And I reviewed 155 ICOs in six months. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot of work, dude. But that was a crazy year. Yeah. A lot happened in that year. Yeah, in 2018, it was just like all downhill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in 2019, was, it was cold. But there were so many ICOs that like, it was like the dot-com bubble. Well, I wasn't around for that really, but from what i heard it was the dot-com bubble again where it was like oh there's this new thing called crypto like we can probably make a business out of this and uh it was funny because yeah we dentacoin (laughs) i reviewed dentacoin i remember actually like the the guy who ran the youtube channel he would say to these icos like yo we don't shill so he's gonna review it he's gonna look at the site tokenomics your marketing like analyze your team blah 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 if we think it's a scam we're going to tell everyone it's a scam. You have to be cool with that, right? They were like, yeah, cool, no problem. From what I remember, there was like three definite scams where I would like go down it. The shit didn't, wasn't even English properly. Like nothing made any sense. They like, the terminology was all off. And I would be like laughing on the video, just like, guys, this is a fucking scam. Please don't buy this ICO. <laughs> and then they would try to ask for their money back. And the dude was just like, man, I told you, you. you told you, like we signed it and, yeah, it was it was funny. A lot of people trying to scramble to make money and grifters everywhere. What was the biggest ICO that you reviewed? Like what ended up being the most successful ICO? Ethland. Ethland, Ave. Ave. Oh, that's oh. Ave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was, fuck, that was a long time ago. But yeah, I think Ethland or... Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the strongest one that comes to mind for sure. There was definitely a couple that just kind of like trickled off and didn't really do anything. But dude, at the time it was like anything on chain. Like we just laughed about Dentacoin. There mm-hmm. was some project called like Beehive or or B Town or some shit like that, and it was like Airbnb. It was Airbnb, right? Yeah, B Token. Yeah, B Token. And I was like, dude, this is gonna change the entire world. Like you're gonna be able to rent an airbnb with ada like yeah <clears throat> i don't know what the fuck people were thinking but that was that was the time zone we were in man it was just yeah really no i remember thing i remember things like time new bank where you could like buy and sell time um what else was this was pothole coin i remember i went to a conference and they, there was literally pothole coin that sponsored it and i'm just like this i don't know what's going on is this all real um there was but, um the, yeah but once that once that youtube channel we grew that YouTube channel from like 18k followers to like quarter of a mil in like five or six months. Wow! And uh, once the ICOs had died down, I think the US became quite public about like, okay, guys, no more ICOs. This is getting yeah. a little crazy. And then it changed to IEOs, right? Initial exchange <laughs> offerings. Right, right, um, right. But once that once that business had dried up from being a YouTube channel's perspective, um, I then got a job at uh, I can't I can't say which. Um, I got a job at like another media company, like a crypto media company. And I was traveling to a few events, like doing interviews and making video content for them. And there was one that I remember in London in Westminster. And uh, there was, there was a few projects like this where the tech actually was pretty cool and it made sense, but it just never really took off. I think maybe the whole market was oversaturated and there was too much going on, but there was this one drinks company. Actually it wasn't a drinks company. It was an infrastructure company. And they just happened to partner with a drinks company to show their tech. And it was like, you would crack open a can underneath the bit, whatever it's called, you open, Mm -hmm. there's a little QR, you scan the QR and it's like all the ingredients on chain. So it's like the fucking, the limes, where they came from and who, who farmed the limes. 
And it's like what factory it went to and like what process it what happened and on what date. And then when was it canned and where did this come from? Where did the can transport yeah, to? The like, first thing that popped up in my head is uh, this wasn't on chain, but do you guys remember Juicero? No. Do you, oh, the juicing you, machine. Yeah, yeah. The, the, juicing the, machine. the okay, Silicon so, Valley juicing machine. Yeah. yeah, this is like the most Silicon Valley. Oh, wait, you want to hear a fun? This is hilarious. This is the most Silicon Valley Burning Man shit you're going to hear of. So there was this guy that raised like tens of millions of dollars to basically build like a juicing machine. And they would send you like prepackaged juice. And like you basically, the juicing machine, you just like, was a lever and you push it down and juice would come out. It would tell you like all the, like the farm fresh ingredients, organic, blah, blah, blah. Like in, I think it was in 2018, Bloomberg did a video where they went and they literally just squeezed the bag and it did the same thing. <laughs> as like the thousand dollar juicing machine and then it just like completely destroyed and wiped out the company yeah that, i mean but yeah it, i guess it's similar in the sense that like you can just document that information yeah it actually doesn't necessarily need to be on chain uh, but the, the the way the ui was done and the way it looked was really cool and it, there was a mm -hmm. few projects like that where like this this is kind of cool tech i can see why non-crypto people might find it interesting or whatever and the drink was good mm. but that type of thing just kind of like died slowly and like no one really gave a fuck after a while. So there's a, uh, I don't know. I think it was just a weird time where people were just throwing shit at the wall, seeing what stuck. And there was a few people like me there that I was so into the industry, but didn't know what to do. I would just immerse myself around these companies and document it and make videos and just like, I don't know, just kind of float around there and see where I could end up. Um, and I kind of did that for a couple of years. And then I got quite literally a call from crypto.com where I guess I'd like made enough content and they liked it and I could speak well. And I was British. and wanted to hire someone from the UK. Um, yeah, literally got a, got a message on Telegram. Hi, my name is blah, blah from crypto.com. Would you be down for a, an interview? We'd love to hire you. I said, when? She said, now. And I was no. like, okay. She called me 15, 20 minutes on the phone. I was hired. That was it. I started work the next week. Um, and then I worked there for a year. And it was during that year that I made LOL DeFi. Started uh, making merchandise. Did very, very well in DeFi summer, thanks to a friend of mine that I won't name, who also worked at the company. He kind of held my hand through that DeFi educational process. And, what was your uh, DeFi summer like? Yeah, let's let's uh, hone in on that because you know, I, we're me and Kid are also class of 2017, and we're also uh, veterans of DeFi mm. summer. What was your DeFi summer like? Like, uh, what were your like first farm? Yeah, I was like wise. farming Wi-Fi. Uh, we were farming Wi-Fi and then using Wi-Fi to farm yams. Of course, you remember yam finance? Yeah, of course. Let's save we yams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then before it all went to to shit, and they had to revamp and stuff. I was like obsessive DJ and Spartan. I had notifications on for DJ and Spartan because he was like the DeFi god at the time. Yeah. And uh, I remember him tweeting about selling all of his yams because they went to like 50 bucks or something because yeah. the contract was broken. I didn't manage to sell mine at 50, but I sold them considerably higher than $1. Um, <laughs> and then once they revamped and relaunched the contracts and stuff, I still played with it and I was still farming. And I was like, I remember at the time, like, trying to explain to people what the fuck I was doing. Everyone thought I was fucking stupid, bro. Like they, they couldn't understand it. And I would like go to my friend's houses with my laptop and be like, look, <laughs> there's this thing called Wi-Fi, and I put it in this box and then watch this number. I'll be like, refresh, refresh, refresh. And my yams are just, and the guy was like, bro, this is a scam. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, I don't care. It, 
it was just uh <laughs> it was a really wild time and then you know i was playing with synthetics um i never really used compound or make it out um but i held a lot of comp for a while um also like as i got a better understanding i would like hunt for projects that's when i found rune uh rune wasn't mm. really very well known at the time but they were putting out really consistent weekly developer updates and i loved mm. the sound of what they were doing and i had been wanting something like that myself so it actually felt like a genuine solution to a genuine problem um so i was buying rune from like 20 25 cents and that shit ran up to like 22 20 23 bucks. dollars yeah uh, that was my first and only 100. It actually wasn't 100x. It was like a 95x. I was actually really, I was so <laughs> pissed that I didn't get 100 just for like for vanity or whatever. But um, yeah, that was, I think Rune was probably the biggest, um, the biggest return on a token investment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And but it was all of it together, like sushi and shit as well. And sushi. like airdrops are coming out the wazoo. Yeah, that was sushi. Let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so with the merch, um, what motivated you to do it? Uh, what was your most popular merch? And like, how were you able to mix fashion and crypto so tastefully? Because like, I saw this DeFi, DeFi Dre shirt. And I was like, I need to have this. I remember I was in Utah. I just saw it on my Twitter feed. I was like, I don't care. I'm just driving across the country. I'm going to deliver this to my next address. It's going to meet me there. <laughs> I think I remember. Yeah, it was... Um what brought me to do it was so my background is fashion right like we said yeah. and i'd always you know there was a time where um my friend the guy who brought me into DeFi, had bought this yearn t-shirt and it was like kind of cool or whatever but it wasn't like cool how i understand fashion it was like a fun design and it just clicked i was like yo there's merch here like people are making and selling t-shirts i'm like okay, maybe there's something I can do here. So I buy one of the t-shirts, I check it out, I feel the quality. I'm like, okay, he's doing made to order. So I'm like, maybe it doesn't make sense to mass produce stuff and stock it and hope it sells. I'm just going to do made to order. And uh, around this time, you know, uh, based, based money. Yeah, based. So they, the ghouls. yeah, the ghouls, when they launched, shout out to the ghouls, by the way, I, I love you guys. Um, when, uh, excuse me when base launched the branding was so cool and the vibe of the site and everything was so fucking fire that i i was saying to my friend i was like yo this could be a fucking streetwear brand like this looks like a streetwear brand and he he kind of got what i was saying and i just went i i just something possessed me and i just grabbed my laptop and i sat there for like six hours and i made a collection of based merch and uh i reached out to one of the ghouls on telegram and i just said yo i made this i actually made a whole website i made a website called uh basedware.shop and um at the time my twitter name was based yam farmer right <laughs> so this fucking <laughs> random this this meme account with like 45 followers hits up a ghoul links him to a website that's a store for his merch and i'm like yo i made this i won't go public unless you tell me it's cool but I want to push this. I think I think what you're doing is sick. Here's some merchandise. What do you think? And he was like, I really fuck with you for asking me first because most people might have just done it and just not cared. The fact you asked is cool. We love it. Let's do it. Then they started pushing it for us. We like got some help and um, yeah, we started selling and people loved it. And then after a couple of weeks, 
uh, someone else, I can't remember who, it's been a while, sorry, my memory's shit. Um, someone else hit me up, another protocol, and they wanted merch. And that was the first time someone came to me for merch instead of me going to them. And I was like, if I do this, I can't have basedwear.shop because it has to be for them too. And I can't have a different store for every brand. I need to come up with a new name, new website. And I was trying to think of something simple for a name and trying a bunch of random degenerate stuff. And at first I was playing with degenerate apparel. And I think even now my my Shopify username is like degenerate apparel or something. So that was like how I started it. And then I was like, bro, this is fucking lame as shit, corny as fuck. I need to change it. And just by chance, I'm like, DeFi, lol, lol, DeFi. And I just like check Twitter and lol, DeFi is free. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Lol, DeFi, it's short, easy. People get it. And uh, yeah, just fucking like ran with it from there and, you know, started building followers quickly and uh, the merch did pretty well and it just kind of like spiraled. But the uh, the DeFi Dre t-shirt in particular was, yeah, it was it was it was a big one. And um, for me, it was like, I still I still feel like I never topped that t-shirt, you know? That was like uh... the second thing I ever made. <laughs> and uh, everything just aligned so perfectly, like Dr. Yeah. Dre, Dre, the fuck, like putting yeah. his face in it. His, his surname is yeah. the Cronje, like Chronic, Cronje, like yeah. it just all lined up so perfect. Um, and it, it did really good numbers too. I think the best selling t-shirt we have was the Coat Harder t-shirt with the Pudgy the Penguin t-shirt. Oh, the one with Elmo. Yeah, yeah, Elmo's Pudgy is on there. Um, and then aside from that and the D5J t-shirt, the sushi collection, like the entire sushi collection went nuts. Like people loved that. We did like the the vintage Apple aesthetic. Um, uh... where it kind of looked like 80s Apple merch, but instead of Apple, it was sushi. And sushi. we took the... Uh, the the rainbow apple logo but had the sushi logo with it and then we modernized some as well and that was the first time we did things like mugs and towels and cushions and, and rugs like real rugs, merchandising yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like a bunch of different stuff and that shit flew yeah that was how i yeah. knew like okay we're doing something cool now yeah the defi dre shirt in particular was at a moment when andre was untouchable like he was like the, yeah. like the next the godfather he's like, he a satoshi of bitcoin like this god coin <laughs> yeah. going from like that was you farmed fair launch thirty dollars to forty k absolutely insane like the timing of this shirt was impeccable too uh, yeah i think that definitely played into it that was before the whole emn and solidly and whatever uh, bullshit followed. emanate oh that shit was i remember yeah. that specifically because he had a tweet saying like guys i'm working on something really cool do you want me to like just drop it or do you want me to like, you know, give you a little white paper? And they're like, we love you, Andre. Just drop it. We don't care. Yeah. Just surprise us. Then he, re he retweets it. And then everybody just goes crazy. People are tweeting like, you know, this, this contract is unverified, but it's from Andre. So let's all ape. <laughs> Dude, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that so clearly as well. And then people were waiting on solidly because it was like, okay, Emanate fucked up, but he can't fuck up twice. <laughs> he can't do it twice. <laughs> yeah, like the bio would always be like testing in production. So everyone was like, eh, maybe it'll be fine. Like, let's just yeah. try it. And the greed people had from, especially the people who missed out on Wi-Fi, they were yeah. so desperate to like revenge trade that. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you're never gonna, you're never gonna win that way. But yeah, and know, same thing with Andre, you couldn't really like build something like that could top wi-fi and yeah. so all those things aligned yeah i think what he's doing now with phantom is really cool but i think that was just that was just a time right where yeah. it was like 
it was the birthplace of DeFi kind of and um Wi-Fi was fully untouchable at that time. And you said 40k, it actually went to 90k. It went to 90k, yeah, it did. When they launched when they launched Woofy, their dog coin. The dog coin. That's right. <laughs> I think yeah, for like no, 20 man. minutes that shit was 90k a token. Yeah, I think but we have to give credit to where credit's due with Wi-Fi. It's the first yield aggregator and still around and still fully anon. Like they're really a yeah. protocol for like others to emulate so like all oh, loves one of, Wi-Fi. One of, one of yeah. the very few that are genuinely community led and uh, yeah very so, cool yeah. yeah they have they have really cool payout mechanics too for contributors like you are you are absolutely by but with no fault paid out proportional to your contribution to the project and not a lot of other i don't think any other uh, protocols can operate like that so um yeah. yeah they're a good they're a really good benchmark of how to stay anon in the space and not have like a specific leader or whatever very cool yeah and also with the solidly i know solid fiasco yeah it like you know didn't do so well and you know andre went back to being up to phantom but the solidly forks became a huge part of his legacy like every chain has a solidly fork like frax is always working <laughs> yeah. with the solidly yeah. fork here and there and like everyone is like a little tweak of the original code so like his legacy still you know is carried That's on cool, there man. yeah cool. yeah so okay I guess we're going to go through the timeline. So, all right, DeFi Summer is over, and then 2021. What was your 2021 to 2023 like? Like, that whole, like, the bull market, traveling, and then, like, FTX happened, now it's the bear market. Like, what was the past two years been like for you? So, um, I, 2021, um, trying to think about how to say this. 2021, I, I got very lucky. I, I was helping a project um that when launched i i had no tokens uh sorry i had no vest on my tokens um the token did very well um i got very lucky and managed to sell without being too reckless um for other investors um so that paired with like my previous earnings of of like doing things in DeFi and farming and then kind of just flipping everything into nfts um you know, like playing with apes and punks and fucking doodles. And I, I, I never, I always forget to mention Artifact and the Clonex NFT collection. Oh. I always forget to mention that, but I, I, I did very, very well on that. And uh, Zaptio, one of the founders, I've actually known him for like fucking 10 years. He, he was based here in London. I think he lives in Miami now. He was based here in London for a very long time and he was always doing custom sneakers. And for a while, when I was in the fashion world, I was doing marketing for him, helping him get on blogs mm. and magazines and stuff like that, like PR work. So when he said he was making an NFT thing, I was just like, really, bro? Like, the, the sneakers are going so well. You had, you had celebrities wearing them. Like, he's been on that shit for a decade, bro. And so when he went to do the NFT thing, I'm like, okay, this guy's just trying to capitalize. He wants to make money, blah, blah, blah. A year later, boom, Nike acquire it. A year after that, I've got like eight pairs of his sneakers in my house with his artifact Nike collaboration. <laughs> like, so to see what they did is absolutely incredible. Mm. I think uh, he's my friend, so I'll say this to his face. I can say it here. I think the clothing needs a lot of work. The sneakers are mostly dope. Um, I think there's a couple <laughs> pairs that are just not my personal taste. But the fact that they've done what they've done and they did it with someone mm -hmm. as fucking impactful as Nike is absolutely fucking ballistic. And I think at my peak bag holding of uh, Clonex, I think I had like 30 or 33 of their wow. NFTs, which uh, 
you know, led to me being able to get like more of their airdrops. And I don't think I've ever eaten off NFT airdrops as well as I have with Artifact. And the way they created an economy around their collectors was fucking nuts. So I want to give some props to uh, the Artifact boys and shout them out because what they did was was beyond anything we'd seen in the space by that point. Um, so yeah, NFTs did very well. And then uh, 2022, I came out of a four-year relationship and uh, like at the, like towards the start of 2022. Yeah, it was 22. Um, and then I was just in like, fuck you mode. And I just, yeah, went traveling a lot. Mm. Um, ended up meeting a girl. Oh, you met her, Dave. Yeah. Uh, won't say it's... her name. But she, um, that was that was the girl I met after my four-year relationship. And ah. she didn't have like a fixed job. So mm. um, it was very easy to just be like, let's go here, let's go there. I just had a very nice six, seven, eight months of just like wow. traveling, eating good food, sitting in the sun, having a lot of sex. And then, yeah. and then, <laughs> and then uh, after a while, realized that was like a very fun, but uh, temporary situation. Mm. And then I got back into grind mode. And throughout this time, I'd started Huanon. Um, I'd always... Uh, I, I'd always been aware of like the stories and characters and people that, you know, we all love in this space, but also aware of like how little documentation of that there was. Um, even now with the book I do, I don't feel like I'm documenting enough because there should be video documentaries of the shit that goes on and yeah. stories, stories should be told of people talking in anonymous voice changes and shit. But, you know, I, I, I realized that a few of these events I was at, just for fun, there would be some like, there'd be some sponsor and that sponsor would want a photographer there. And the photographer was just some kid that lived in the local city that they could hire for a couple hundred bucks. And he doesn't know who the fuck these people are. He doesn't know who he can and can't take pictures of. And yeah. Or then there'd be a fucking Dropbox file getting linked around. And you had all these people that want to stay anonymous uh. that are being doxxed against their will without even realizing until a week later yeah. it's online. And so I was just kind of like, this, you know, there's a there's a problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that problem, you know, I was doing my, I was having my understanding or my epiphany of like, this needs to be documented. There's so much culture and no one's fucking talking about it. So I was like, what would be really cool is we remove the whole digital part. So we shoot on film, we take photos on film and we print in a book and we don't take digital pictures and they go online. We, I know a lot of people in the space. I know the majority of these communities, so I know who I can and can't take pictures of. Yeah. If I don't know you that well, I will ask you first. I will show you the mm-hmm. book. And um, yeah, just had this idea. I'm like, let's create a book that documents the space without doxing people that want to stay private. We'll, we'll, we'll create it, edit it together in this really cool, creative way. Uh, we'll make sure all the design looks flawless, looks like a collectible piece of art. And uh, yeah, Who and On was born. We had a really cool team of investors. We had like a uh, fucking Kobe, uh, Gainsey, CL, um, like Rookie and G Money and Sobe and Palmer. Like the, the, the list goes on. All the personalities. Yeah, all, yeah. All, the, all the coolest fucking dudes, man. All the homies. And, um, all the homies. Nani. And then, uh, yeah, just 
that did that did pretty well. We wanted to do two books a year initially. Thought that was a bit too much. There wasn't enough events to facilitate that much content. Mm-hmm. So we stuck with one a year. First one did pretty well. Second one, we now have a bigger audience, a lot more interest, and we're looking to launch in about a week or two. So in, in a week um, or two. Oh yeah, hopefully we'll do the mint and mint goes before Christmas. Then uh, probably mid January we'll do the claims and start shipping the books out. Oh, I cannot wait for that one, especially. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you've got a, you've got a nice double page spread surrounded by anime girls. Oh, let's go! Oh. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a picture of Dave like surrounded by women, and like some of the women wanted to stay private, and we were like, "This would be weird if we covered half their faces." So we used AI to make anime versions of each of the girls. So wow. it's like it's Dave in like a it's sea Dave's of dream. like anime girls. <laughs> this, this is my dream come true, or the oh, CT man. dream come true. It looks I think Dave needs a, a life size portion of this spread so he can just wrap it on the wall around him. Dude, yeah, we're gonna have a fold out page. <laughs> so you turn it upside down and it folds out, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a Playboy yeah. bag. Oh, I love yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Pin yeah. up, pin up, girls. Yeah, yeah, I'm so happy we're able to pull off that photo booth at Dave. Because I remember trying to yeah. get that, to, yeah, trying to get that to everything for Dave got was put together last minute from like the sponsors to the music to like the photo booth. Like I remember, like a few days before, I'm like, "Fuck!" Like, how am I going to do all this? And it's just like everything just lined up, and it was. Dude, and then, it, it, yeah. it came out really, really good too. Um, I'm looking around here because I feel like I have one here, but maybe I don't. Um, yeah, the fact we could do the frame and stuff and have it branded uh, made it really cool. We had we had the uh, the block time that the photos yeah. are printed out and stuff as well, which was oh, really cool. Sick. The block number, um, but yeah, more of that we definitely want to do. Um, we have a lot of like other random stuff lined up. Like, um, I want to say it's not this, not that it's a secret. It just sound, without the context, the visual context, it just sounds so fucking weird. But it's like we have like porn stars fucking spread open naked and shit in this book with like who are on clip piercings and shit because like fuck it why not fucking um, why not just like <laughs> yeah there's there seems to be a really interesting crossover between the porn industry and the crypto space not oh, yeah there's not always just, has been yeah not just with only fans girls either like you know fucking gracie or both gracie there's two gracies in crypto that do only fans and um yeah, there's like there's quite a significant amount of actual porn stars that really understand crypto and DeFi and like really fuck with it and get in the trenches on CT and stuff. So spank chain. Um, yeah, no, I remember <laughs> spank yeah. chain. Yeah, no, I remember being with Amin in in Vegas like a few years ago, and like one of his porn star friends was there, and she understood crypto deeply. She was yeah. farming DeFi summer. She's been using Bitcoin for payments since 2012. Like, they, you know, it makes sense because if, like, you know, banking the unbanked, who's more unbanked than people that work in fringe industries, like yeah, se- yeah, sex, the sure. sex industry and stuff. So it, there's always been a natural crossover. Even like, think about like friend tech, like some of the like early friend tech yeah. users or right, only right. fans girls. And so yeah, like, bro, there was a whole fucking ego narrative on friend tech. Like people <laughs> right. were making like indexes. <laughs> ego. Yeah. It was yeah, crazy. No, that that was really funny. So, but going back to the the Who Anon book, um, I really like the fact that it's actually a physical book instead of being online because like the medium has an effect on like the content itself. Like online, it's just like you know you just scroll Twitter, you see a picture, and then you scroll past it again. But with a book, 
like you feel it in your hand, like you get to look at it. It's like in real life, it really makes a difference. And you were talking about how with the first book that you published, it was a whole learning process, how to publish the book and like the materials and getting it together. Can you go into that a bit more? Yeah, like you, you, you think printing a book is just like, you make the pages in the right order and send it to some guy somewhere and it prints out into a book and it's like Control P. <laughs> yeah it's just not how it goes dude like uh yeah it was so i mean once the content is all there it's like there's this whole process that goes into it it's just like okay well what kind of paper do you want and what weight and what finish and how do you want it made and then like what type of printing and at what dimensions and then it's like this is before you've even done anything like there's like infinite types of binding and then infinite types of like uh, hardback and softback and different materials. So like we had initially found a factory we were going to use that was very cost effective, but it was in Lithuania. And we had a couple like phone calls with them and we realized this is going to be kind of tricky. Um, so we ended up finding one in London that was way more expensive, but the guy was, he's done it for 30 years and he's really passionate about it. He's got his own big workshop and stuff. So 20 minutes from our house, me and my co-founder Starkey, uh, we, we go there together and we ask a million questions. Like we're fucking children, have no idea what we're doing. Asking the, well, it's like, it's like him coming to me and be like, so what's a blockchain? It's like, we were, <laughs> yeah. we were doing that to him about books. Um, and we did that a few times and he was just super helpful and was really excited by it. And, had never done anything to do with crypto or NFTs before, but his son sort of knew about it. So he, this was for him a cool way to bond with his son because he was like, yo, mm -hmm. these guys came in today. They wanted to do an NFT-related book. And um, yeah, it just became this cool thing. And we actually ended up, he said, he was like, you know what? In about 10 months' time, there's a book awards coming up. And we were like, what, what is it? And he was like, it's the British Book Awards. It's the biggest awards ceremony in the UK for book publishers. And this is really cool. I've done this for 30 years, never seen anything like it. If you're happy for me to submit it, I'm, I'll, I'll submit it. And we were like, fuck yeah, do it. Let's do it. We found out about a month ago, about three months ago, we found out we were accepted into like a discussion process. And about a month or two months ago, we found out we made it to the final five books. Oh, oh nice. And so, and so January next month is the ceremony, which we go to in a fucking suit and tie and shit. <laughs> And there's a chance that who anon this fucking degenerate NFT book made to capture these anonymous personalities that don't exist in wow. the real world is going to win like a historic book award. Um, and it, like just the, this shit would never have happened if like we didn't just say this might be a cool idea and just go for it. So are you going to wear the mask? Uh, yeah, what, what mask are you wearing? Yeah. That was my yeah. first yeah. question. Which, which mask? Yeah. Is yeah, it a custom mask? Oh, yeah, black tie know, affair I've, mask? I've got, I've, I've got like six or seven masks now. I need to figure out which one to wear for which events, but... I've I've got like a plain black one, so if I'm wearing a suit, I'm just gonna go all black, I reckon. And, and do all of them have the Bantag ears? Uh, two of them do, but you know what? I, the first the first Bantag mask that got made, I asked him if he's cool with it, and he and he said yeah. And uh, I haven't spoken to him since, and I've heard from other people. I don't think he's very happy about it. Uh... So um, it's not gonna stop me doing it. It's not a beef thing. I love Banteg. I think what I think he's probably the coolest, best developer in the space. He's one of the best, like in terms of like having a white hat. I know he cares about the people. His heart's always in the right place. He's very technically capable. I think his takes are always spot on. 
I don't have any problem with him. I've never met him to my knowledge. Maybe I have, I don't know. Um, but, you know, he's always been cool with me until some girl started accusing me of pretending to be Banteg. And I'm just like, bro, it's a fucking mask, dude. It's just I'm a paying mask. Hom- I'm, I'm paying homage. Like, I love Banteg. He's, you know, if I made a fucking CL cat mask, he's not going to be mad at me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to pretend it- I'm him. I just think that, think the mask's cool. Yeah, and you yeah. know, this is like a kind of a perfect segue into like the next question. Would be like, do you think these CT personalities are going to kind of hit it mainstream in this next cycle? Because you know, I obviously you see old baby Ooh. games, you know, h- yes. hitting it. Like I think when I first learned that old baby games effectively is you know a collection of games, but what their top game right now is a kart racing game. And I used to compete in a Mario Kart uh, amateur league. So that really hit home with me. And then as I saw, I was like, yo, he's taking crypto native IP and really churning it into something like real. Like I feel like all the other Web3 games didn't do that. But yeah, I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I don't have a fixed answer, but I think what passes, I think pass is one of these like forces of nature where he's not just like, I have an idea and this is the idea. It's like he has an idea, but a week later it's morphed into a bigger one that's cooler. And then he changes all the people that work for him. That now becomes their idea. And like, he doesn't stop. So I'm an angel investor in Obaby to disclose, but uh, I've, I've known past for a while, thought he was super cool, loved what he was doing from the start. And I remember speaking to him one time and I'm like, bro, it's so cool how like, uh, you know, like this game's going to be dope. And he's just like, bro, I'm not building a game. I'm trying to build like the next steam. And I was like, Oh uh, shit, this, this guy is like way bigger vision. than Yeah. Vision is crazy. So um, that tied in with like the IP thing. Like, so there's a lot of things people don't know about people like CL. It's like that cat is trademarked. It's, it's CL owns the, um, what do you call it? He owns the rights to like, IP that can be described as like a white cat in a yellow hazmat suit with three stripes on his head. Like if you try and use it, he can sue you. Um, which kind of opens up the the possibility for things like uh, intellectual property, whether it's in games or cartoons mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has the money and degeneracy and fucking sense of humor to turn that into a successful IP, it's fucking CL and, and he will do it. And I think for Obaby to begin with, I thought this concept of having fucking size Chad and CL and Gainsey and Bulmer and fucking SBF, <laughs> fuck that guy, by the yeah. way, in a game, that was hilarious to me, coolest thing ever. After a bit of time goes by, I'm a bit like, okay, this is going to be fixed to like maybe 10,000 people. Yeah. No one else is going to really understand this. And then I was like, but, you know, I can say this now. I knew this was going to happen for a long time, but I couldn't say anything until today it got announced. But obviously we, we have the partnership now with Paramount. We have SpongeBob and uh, the whole, yeah, the whole yeah. cast and SpongeBob was IP. Oh wait, what happened? They're going to be SpongeBob uh, in the game too? Yeah. No. Yeah. So um, SpongeBob and Sandy and Patrick and yep. Squidward, they're all in Oh Baby Games games. Now. Oh, so you're gonna have CL yeah. and Sideshad racing against SpongeBob and Patrick? Yes, yes. and, oh. and <laughs> without uh, you know, hopefully there's more coming. Also, um, soon, TM. Yeah, soon. Like, like I, I hope there's gonna be like a lot of cooler stuff. Um, but 
you know, if you think about like IP, it doesn't really get bigger than like fucking SpongeBob. Like it's it's like A tier, A star tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when you think about the fact that like SpongeBob was nothing, someone came up with SpongeBob one day and it just grew. There's not really any difference between that and what CL is doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. as long as you have an audience, you want to grow it, you have a niche that's going to build, you build your core fan base, then you have something super mainstream and public facing that could be like, oh baby, you know, this yellow fucking hazmat suit that's, that a cat's wearing might just become this cool IP and now there's fucking plushies and shit. But I don't know what, I know some stuff that CL's working on now. I don't know how public it is, so I won't say anything, but um it might be public i'm not sure i'm just trying to be safe but mm-hmm. he he's he has a he's a different guy like he has a, a different brain with some fucking amazing ideas and uh a oh, really he's a cat cool... so well he's a fucking yeah. cat yeah. <laughs> he's got some really cool ways of doing things and i'm really excited to see 2024 in terms of like what he's gonna bring to, to front market that's dope that's dope i think we definitely yeah. gotta bring cat on <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. Podcast. Well, he has, um, he has his, he has a cat VTube and all. So yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, we did that. We did a, a uh, interview with the Premia guys, and they were all cat boys for this interview. Oh, nice. I fuck with that. Yeah, cozy. Oh, I actually, yeah. Actually, I wanted to make one comment about who Anon first is like, you know, we we work and live in such a digital environment now, like literally our money is just zeros and ones on the screen. And now you juxtapose all of that with all of the culture that is also intangible, but then you manifest it into something physical and so like timeless, like a book. Yeah. You know, like I think that whole juxtaposition of all of these elements together just makes it such the perfect form factor. And you also Appreciate mentioned you, that you you shoot it in like like uh, physical film as well mm-hmm. too, right? I, yeah, I think that's just digital. Like, well, dude, yeah, that's, like that's it, it's so definitely. Right. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely like a. It was a conscious decision to have that juxtaposition, but it's also like we had a fear that if you have it in a book, you kind of open it, flick through it once, and then just like set it down on a table. And we were kind of like, you know what, fuck it. That might be how it's supposed to be. Like, mm-hmm. we want this thing to serve yeah. as like, go for it whenever you want or show people when they come around, but no one's going to understand it apart from this this niche. So we want it. We were like, you know what, fuck it. It should be this relic. Like we like in fucking five, 10 years time, we'll do one every year, right? But like, we want the first one to be the smallest amount of sales. So in time, book one is like the rarest. Yeah. And when Oh Baby is huge and CL is this like massive thing, you have a book from 10 years ago. Like there's a, there's a picture in this first book. I did an event in New York, at uh, NFT NYC 2021. And I uh, did an event called Lol DeFi's Lol Dinner. And people still today say it's the best event they've been to because there were no sponsors. There was, there was no like branded content being shoved in anyone's throat. It was like 55 of the coolest people on CT in a room having dinner getting drunk and it was chill and we had fucking zor and shit in the bathroom doing cat and it was it was it was, a, it was a really fun time dude and uh yeah like this i was with a ponzi trader and he was like yo i want to introduce you to somebody i'm like all right and he brings me over to this guy and he's just like you know who this is and i look up and it's this guy in a white shirt with black cats all over it 
And he goes, you know who I am? I'm like, no. And he holds out his thumb like this and painted on his thumbnail was the CL cat. And I'm like, you're fucking CL. And he was like, meow. And we just like hugged and like we had a chat and he was the coolest dude ever. That was the first time I met him. But there's a picture of his thumbnail in the book. And it was like one of his first ever like public appearances as CL. Oh. And so like for me, having that book, like I don't want that picture online where everyone can share it and uh, see it. It's, like, it's special. There's only going to be a couple hundred people in the world that can reference that image, right? And that that was the thought process behind doing it all physically. Um, so we use some of the pages to promote online and sell the book, of course. But maybe that's like 5% of the actual book. The rest is supposed to be just for you. You only know who you're looking at if you know who you're looking at. Um, and it's it's supposed to serve as this like relic of like lost crypto history that's documented physically just for the owners. And that was the that was the mentality behind it at the time. That's really cool. It's like the tip of the iceberg is you know you show <laughs> like a little bit to promote online, but the deep cuts you got to go buy the book. Yeah, you exactly. Go collect the exactly. Book. Okay, oh, that's really cool, um, guys. I realized my mic cut out, and so I'm gonna pause this, and then I'm gonna start the stream again. I mean, start the recording again because my mic, my short mic fell. So one sec. All right, we're back. We had some technical difficulties, but we're so back. Uh, we're going into who and on the book. Um, so in 10 years, it sounds like the t bull case scenario for who and on the book for 10 years, 10 years from now is like the first collections are digital, they're physical artifacts, documenting culture, kind of like a, you know, a first person historical account of what's going on in this special moment in time. And I couldn't agree with you more like this space even though it's like constantly online and there's constant posting, it's very poorly documented and it's very, and, and unless you're like in it 24 seven and immersed in it, it's very hard to figure out like what's going on. Um, so in terms of like the bull case scenario of like who and not in the future, like where, where, what is like the best case scenario you see for it? Um, award winning. Award winning <laughs> soon. Next month. Yeah. Next, next month. January. Yeah. Award winning. Um, I think like, you know, we, we have discussions about this entirely sometimes. It's like, do we want to, there's a lot of stuff we want to do with who and on that we need to time correctly. And um, yes, yep. some, some of that is, you know, physical merchandise. Some of that is, is digital content. Um, some of that is collaboration. Some of that is events. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of stuff that gets discussed on like a weekly basis. Right. And a lot of these things we already have, um, some foundations for or in some deep conversations with and I actually get to use some of my non-crypto network to to funnel a lot of this stuff um, so I'm still very well connected in you know fashion and, and music and movies and stuff they're so well connected to each other because like, everyone has to look fresh you end up with this network if you're from the fashion industry that goes beyond fashion itself and mm. um, you know I, I co-own a PR company here in London we do PR for fucking uh, can't say because it'll dox it but some, some some of the coolest brands there are in, in in on the planet um and so you know we will get to use these avenues in collaboration with who and on when we're ready um, uh okay yeah and yeah. so so it, it it's about it's about timing this correctly effectively but you know future future utility or you know future bull case for who and on is like um, much larger than what you're currently seeing is just like physical books. Um, there will be, you know, merchandise events, digital content, uh, collaborative efforts, stuff like this. 
Um, and uh, the idea is eventually to, you know, if we get an offer, there's only one person we would sell to, but if we do get an offer from that person by 2030, we'd consider taking it. Is the person um, in crypto or outside of crypto? Outside of crypto, but have uh, a have an increasingly strong interest in crypto with every passing year. The Walt Disney Company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck those guys, bro. <laughs> um, oh, man. But yeah, there is there is uh, there is one other thing I'm working on that is quickly becoming my full time long term oh. focus. Um, oh. We actually just moved into a new office space today for that. Oh, um, can you give and, a little uh, hint? It's it's um, um, it's it's called Honeypot. Honeypot. Yeah. All right. What is Honeypot? Uh, what is Honeypot? Oh, oh, damn! I got that. It's it, oh. it's called it's called Honeypot. Um, th- there will be more soon. Soon. soon soon tm um but yeah just like you know one thing at a time um mm-hmm. getting these christmas jumpers out first and then we have the who and on launch and then uh book two launch um from january next year once the who and on books out books go out <clears throat> my full-time focus will be honeypot mm. um with the crypto events we'll be attending to continue who and on keep that going as well but my day-to-day focus will be honeypot and super excited about that right now for me that's this is like everything i've done up until this point honeypot is something i've wanted to do for maybe 10 15 years but have neglected for various reasons um and feel like now is like okay maybe maybe now we can sink some time and money and energy into this and yeah feels feels good to be doing it now yeah so between everything that you're doing like huanan honeypot uh you know the trading the merch like how do you manage your time uh like how do you how do you organize yourself how do you keep track of shit i'm very poorly organized um (laughs) i sleep at 6 a.m wake up at 12 1 p.m um have a really fucked up sleep schedule but seem to perform better when it's the middle of the night and i um i can get distracted quite easily but if it's 1 a.m 2 a.m and i have an idea i can sit there for four hours until the idea is complete or extracted and uh just seem it's kind of how i've always been even since i was like a teenager but the last year in particular normally i'd sleep at 2 3 a.m the last year or two has been like i'm lucky if i look at the time before i sleep and it's i haven't seen the number six yet like that's that's an early (laughs) night um that's why we're doing this it's 2 10 a.m for me here now and i've like just (laughs) sat down at my desk two hours ago (laughs) this works out perfectly for us because I'm on the West Coast, mm-hmm. kid yeah. is in Asia, and so it's yeah. always so hard to do interviews. Like <laughs> I remember well, that's one what t- I said to you, yeah. bro. I was like, my sleeping pattern's fucked. If you want to do in the middle of the night for me, we can do that. Like I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, this is like my dinner time, dude. I'm gonna order food after this, probably. <laughs> Man, actually, I, I want to double click on what you said about you know having an idea mm-hmm. and, and hammering it out. Like, what is you're clearly a super creative individual and what kind of feeds that creativity and how does that creativity manifest itself into, you know, the real world? Do you have one core vision and just kind of drive towards that? Or is it iterated over time? For me, there's two things. There's two main things. One is a thousand images a day. That's something I've, I've known since I was 17, 18. Um, I was, I I had the chance when I was in my early twenties to work with Virgil uh, on a, on a number of projects. 
And um, one of the takeaways I had from him was a thousand images a day. And I, and I do that as often as I can now. So what's that? Your, your goal is to look at a thousand images every day. Of images of, of anything. So like, uh, you know, you can, you can tailor it for, you know, if you're trying to make, if I'm trying to make a fucking collection of merch for some protocol and I don't have any ideas, I will scroll Tumblr or Pinterest or Dribble, uh, okay. and I will make sure I see what feels like a thousand images a day. So that's number one. Number two is I learned this also when I was doing marketing for, for a bunch of brands in my early 20s is like, actually, my friend actually uh, uh, lended me or loaned me a book about this. And it's just like how to be creative and how to be influenced by things. So um, it goes hand in hand with a thousand images. If I know I need to make eight products for this one protocol with this name and this color scheme or these memes or this reference or whatever, that just sits over here in my head. That day, look at a thousand images over here and that's it. I don't, you don't try and make the links. Like the, the, there's some very specific psychology and chemistry as to how the brain works and how the, the creative part of the brain works. And it's in, it's in the downtime. So if you feed it the right stuff and trust it to just bring it to you when you're in the shower or taking a shit, it will happen. And that, that's always how I've done things. DeFi Dre is like a perfect example of this, dude. It was like, I, I was, at the time there was, um, what was it? There was some hoodie I saw. I think it was, it was a Vetamont hoodie. They took this old album cover and they like turned it into a Vetamont design. And I just remember seeing that and be like, yo, that's fucking cool. And then from then I did my thousand images stuff like I do most days. And then like, I just saw fucking the chronic, didn't even think about it. The next day I had my, I don't know like what I was doing, where I was listening to stuff, but just like some fucking Dr. Dre song came on or some song that featured Dr. Dre. And I just saw the word Dre. And then like later that day I was on Twitter and I just saw Andre's tweet and I'm just like, I didn't think about it. Just something went, yo, and like, boom, grab the laptop, sit there, do this, blah, 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 <laughs> yo. and make it. And I'm like, this is good, not quite perfect. Let's get this font perfect. Couldn't get the font perfect. So I took the actual image and started Photoshopping the letters and got it down to as close as I possibly could. And I was wow. like, yo, this is a banger. And it was. And so, yeah, my ethos on being creative is like, just don't force it. Feed your brain the right ingredients. And if... You, if you if you have a creative brain, like your brain will do the cooking. You just got to do it without thinking about it. Just intake the right stuff. Give yourself yeah, time. I, just let, let it re- cook. Just let it cook. Yeah, I let relate. To, <laughs> let it cook. I relate to that deeply as a writer. Um, for me, my input is conversations that I have with people, especially conversations I have with people, and also just reading, watching videos, listening to podcasts. Like I'll just like listen, to, not just the crypto podcast. I've been listening to a ton of philosophy lectures recently. And from listening to these like random philosophy lectures, it's improving my writing. It's improving my output. Um, cool. And so just like, it's all like, and especially in the world that we live in with the timeline, you have to be very careful what you feed yourself, especially with like the way social media is nowadays. Um, you actually follow yeah. me uh, it, like on my Instagram in real life. And so you get to see like all my memes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <too>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that is yeah. like my, that's like my release. That's what like I do for fun. Yeah, but, like, memes are that... fucking golden actually, dude. Well, like that... <laughs> it's, this, it's the same thing, right? It's like yeah. me saying like, look at a thousand images and then like I will design creative stuff with you. It's like, 
read a bunch of stuff, listen to a bunch of podcasts, like you will write, you will write stuff. Right. It's like you're yeah. feeding yourself the correct ingredients and letting your brain like uh, whip it up, you know? Exactly. Let it cook. Look at a thousand memes and boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at a thousand memes. And the <laughs> yeah. next time you need to make one, they will like rub off on you and you'll, exactly. you'll naturally do something without thinking like, how do I be creative? Like, no, you don't have to. It, there's no thinking involved. You just do. It just kind of happens. Yeah. It just bubbles up. And like your brain does everything in the background. And yeah. then all of a sudden it just comes to the surface. It's like Dude, all this stuff. Like, is... uh, for yeah. every single collection I've designed, it, it's been that. Is I swear to God, like sushi was like a 30 piece collection. I did that in like six hours from like 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. Like that, that was it. It was like one thing start to finish. And as you go through, like I, I would have made a t-shirt and a hoodie and then I would have been like, oh shit, this would look cool if I did. And then now I've got a hat design from that. And then I would like, oh, yo, I saw this the other day. Go on fucking Pinterest, look at some images, take this thing, add it here. Oh, wow, now I've got a fucking mug. That's like, it just happens and like flows. And I, I never sit there and like think about it. I think like the most stuff I've done to make a collection is like scroll through fucking Discord or read tweets mm. just so I can get an understanding of like, community memes or references so i can kind of try and tie it into the design somehow but yeah just fucking feed your brain the right shit trust it to yeah. do the cooking and plate it up when it comes to you when it comes to crypto protocols and branding which ones do you think uh they do branding and marketing right like which ones have the right image uh the right communication are there any pro crypto protocols that stick out to you it could be like DeFi, could be like nfts it could be like anything um ui or branding or whatever i mean are they are, are they and and i mean avara like all of their projects together i think are are very well done but their branding goes beyond like what you see on a screen right it's like they have the best parties and the best sensory right. experiences they yeah they, they fly lasers around the world and they invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into these events each time um and they've just kind of become the benchmark for like the best crypto party. And all of that feeds into your brand, right? You create a vibe. And I think the way they do it is, is top notch. Um, they do like custom merch that's free for everyone that attends for every event that they, that they do in different countries. Like the merch is inspired by like the culture from that country and it's done in like a cool way. And sometimes we help mm -hmm. them with some of that stuff as well, but more often than not, it's like their own ideas and we just help execute. We've only done that like once or twice. Um, but yeah, I think I think Aave are, are yeah. very, very, very good for that. Um, fuck, you put me on the spot. I feel like they're... Oh, bro, Parallel. Parallel, Fucking yeah. Oh, How right. have I gone 90 minutes on this podcast and not said the word <laughs> Parallel? <bro>? Parallel, <laughs> dude. They're, they're coming for Star Wars, bro. They're not coming for yeah, Hearthstone. I heard that. They're coming for Star Wars. Like, I think the the IP, the lore, I normally think lore is like kind of fucking corny, to be honest. The parallel lore is not corny. It's like, it's so well dreamt up. And um, it, it's like, you can, you can get a catch of the story just by playing the game. Like some of the card designs, some of the characters, some of the environments, like, you can kind of piece it together in your head as you're playing, but it creates this, like it creates all the pieces of the puzzle and you can make stories in your head, but that's amazing because it means at some point this story is going to be told. 
and it can be told in a number of millions of ways. Um, and so, you know, with all the games they have coming out and, you know, hopefully at some point, I'd love to see some like animated shorts or a movie or a fucking Netflix series or anime or whatever the fuck it is. There's mm. so much cool lore there. And branding, Parallel didn't have to make one brand for Parallel. They had to make like five or six different brands because you have Parallel themselves as a company or the trading card game. Then you have each of those parallels, like they have their own logo, they have their own color scheme, they have their own way of dressing, they have their own environment. Oh, each like, faction. Okay. Each faction. So you've got Organ Core, Marcolian, Shroud, uh, Kathari, and Earthen. And then you have the universal cards as well, which can apply to any of those five. And then you have the parallel branding itself. So you could argue that's that's seven brands they've had to dream up. And Damn. everything is flawless. Mm. Like I, I I'm so specific and I love critiquing and faulting people. Like Zaptio <laughs> from Artifact, one of my closest friends for ten years. Right. I'll tell him his clothes are shit. Parallel, never even really met these guys. Speak to a bunch of the team on a daily basis, love the game. But I would shit on it if I could, and I can't. It's 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 perfect. Um, so the game itself is modular, modular in the sense that you can write your own story with it, or like the story will come together in the future. No, I just mean like so. The game itself is you know th there's no story attached. Uh, but, there's no story. Okay. But for, but for, well, yet anyway, because it's just a card yeah. game. But you know they've teased this colony game, AI simulation game that's going to launch right, next right. year, which is the first of its kind. There's nothing to compare it to. If that does really well, they could be in leading position. It's like having the first Battle Royale, right? If this game type or genre becomes mm -hmm. successful, Parallel are at the forefront of it, and it could be absolutely huge. And then they've, they've leaked uh, videos before of what looks like a MOBA or a tactical game. They've leaked you know, stuff that looks like a third and first person shooter, and there's been echoes on Twitter of like an MMORPG. And like, I think once you have these factions and characters and abilities mapped out you can make any game from that it's just a matter of time and funding and stuff and they have both of those things so um when i say like the story can be told i mean whenever they want at any point they can start to tell a story and it will all make sense and add up together and for anyone who's involved in it already it's going to be really fascinating and exciting to watch that unfold so uh yeah 100%. parallel for me is like it goes above and beyond in terms of visuals and branding and all of the artists over there doing the artwork for the cards are phenomenal, phenomenal artists. And this is a key point in a lot of like Web3 gaming that just completely overlooked the narrative and storytelling element of the game. And a yeah. lot of them just kind of pick a genre and just dive right in there and just lay mechanics in and core loops and they'll be like, okay, it's, it's ready. But like having a core... Uh, lore is actually what would carry you across from just one game into many others. Like, you yeah, know, let's let's start with Star Wars, like you were saying, right? It was a book, it was a movie, it's merchandising, it was in Fortnite skins. Like, it literally <laughs> yeah. transcends after that. But it really started because of this deep lore and this deep universe that people bought into, right? Yeah, like, for I, sure. That, that is the core nexus. And I feel like they did it so casually too. It was like the focus is a card game, but like. If you're interested, you can access all this other information about lore. And like I was saying, mm. you can piece stuff together. Like maybe I'm wrong, but like sometimes I just, bro, there's fucking, there's a card called Sanctuary. It's like a relic card. Can't remember exactly what it does, but each card has its own little bit of lore, which is unrelated to the game. But if you want to read it, you can. It's like a sentence or two at most. And it says something about like, 
the the universal people call this ship home. It's like a floating ship in space called the sanctuary. And so for anyone that doesn't fit into one of the five parallels, you can live and come by this fucking ship. And automatically I'm thinking of the cards I know that are universal cards and I, and they have a visual image and I, I'm like picturing them going on and off the ship and like what the fuck goes on on the ship and like is uh... there politics involved on the ship? And like, this is what I mean when I say at some point, these stories will be told. So if you're already into the game now, you already have a core fan base like waiting for the next thing. Like it's a closed beta and I daily I get people asking me how to play, how to play, how to play. I had to bug the team the other day to get them to give me a referral code so I can give them to my friends who keep fucking messaging me daily like I want to play the game. But it's, it's just, uh, for me, not only is it like the coolest thing for me to watch unfold and hope do well, um, but it's one of my largest investments for 2024 is Prime. Wow. Prime. So yeah, they have the primordial soup, these cards and different elements, yeah. and they're going to come together uh, yeah. eventually in a story. Oh, that's really cool. It's really, you know that like a, a story or anything is is doing a good job if you're putting together the pieces in your head already. Like right. you can imagine, you know, going into the ship or something like that. You're putting the yeah. pieces in together. Like whenever I'm in, immersed in the book, I have the book playing in, in my head. So like that's how you know Same that parallels. Thing. Yeah, that's how you know parallels yeah. doing a good job is like they have it's they have the user actually like being a part in the story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think to be able to come up with it yourself without any lead is like a, is a really good sign of, of good character design, good environment design, um, good pre-prepping of the lore. And, you know, I'm as excited for the game to expand and the token to pump and everything else as I am to learn more about these characters and the storyline and what happened and, you know, why these humans are in different parts of the galaxy and shit like that. Like, uh, for me, it's just super fun, and I think when I was a kid, I, I, like, I would, I always loved like World of Warcraft and stuff. But I wanted a futuristic version of World of Warcraft, and there was sort of somewhat like fucking Destiny or like Starcraft or whatever. But it just never matched what I wanted it to be in my head. And this is the first thing I've seen that could ever possibly come close to what I imagined when I was a kid. So uh, for me, yeah, parallel giga bullish on you know both a personal storytelling event and also a financial investment so it game so get parallel gaming are there other parts of 2024 that you're bullish on like what's your 2024 thesis like going into the cycle um you know what a few months ago i was actually super pessimistic and i was mm. telling people it's finished it's finished it's over i'm out it's done <laughs> And then I went to Dubai again and, you know, met some of, saw some of my friends out there. I've got some really close homies out there that I consider way smarter than me. You know, you have like Bagsy and Rookie and McKenna and um, fucking Charles Reed and, you know, all the boys like uh, sitting with them, talking to them and hearing them basically laugh at me for saying it was over. Just made me think like, bro, you know what? Maybe I'm being a bit stupid here. And this was back when ETH was like 1600 bucks and stuff. So I kind of like listened and thought maybe I'm wrong and positioned myself accordingly. And so far I've reaped the rewards. Um, so assuming we do, we do go into like fucking giga Chad bull market next year, which, you know, I'm positioned for now. I think there's going to be two and a half major narratives 
the first, as you can see from what we've discussed with Obaby in parallel here, is gaming. And the second will be AI. And the, the half will be social. The reason it's only half for me is because I think there's still a long way to go. I think um, you look at the onset of things like Lens. Um, I firmly believe Lens will be like the benchmark of like social online identity for the future. But I think it might take longer than we all expect because it you, you really need to capture an audience, but also create um, a habit. And I think creating a habit takes a good two, three years. And I think like the 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 first person physical layer for noobs isn't quite there yet. And I think a couple of years ago when we were looking at fucking Axie Infinity and Illuvium and stuff like that or Treeverse, it was all speculation and you know, or sandbox decentraland. You'd get lucky if you found a project that had an MVP. But nine times out of ten, the MVP was fucking trash. So I think the closest thing we had to like a successful game was Axie. And it ended up just being a fucking child farm, probably labor, to to just mint tokens for playing the game, which created a forever downward spiral of sell pressure. So no one ended up actually making money and then it got hacked and it was just a fucking nightmare. And um, so all the speculation around gaming back then was entirely speculation and froth. And I think this year, end of this year, and then 2024, next year, we've got fucking parallel... There's O oh Baby Games. You've got new things like Big Time. Uh, Alluvium looks good. Treeverse just did another raise. Um, so then there's the, the Pixelmon revolution that's been bought out. There's a whole new team. That looks like it's going to do really well next year too. So you have this uh, influx of gaming projects that have been building for the last two years. with a pretty decent runway in, in many cases. And um, I think gaming is going to do pretty well as a result of that. AI, obviously, for obvious reasons, I think is kind of in a good position right now. Um, next year, I think there'll be more application to do so. You're looking at things like Imagine AI. You could argue Prime is still an AI token if you want to speculate mm. <laughs> um, because of the Colony game coming out next month, next year. Um, and then there's like, I don't know, there's been a number of like angel investments I've done that all seem to kind of, TGE next year and my goal for this year was to angel you know full spectrum of environments right so I managed to cover all bases of like I like this year and the end of last year I managed to angel like uh social projects AI projects gaming projects gambling and casino projects um and fuck it a vegan fast food project vegan fast food <laughs> that has nothing it's to do with it bullish the world <laughs> No, but, you know, vegan food consumption is doing this, bro. So I'm like, eh, okay, yeah. fuck it. Yeah, I'm on the um, West Coast. It's vegan city over here. Yeah, yeah. Me doing that vegan investment is like hedging. I'm like, okay, well, if crypto <laughs> dies, maybe everyone will just turn vegan. Thanks, if crypto dies, yeah. AI dies, yeah. everyone's going to go <laughs> vegan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, the way you describe gaming in 2021 reminds me of ICOs in 2017. Like, not an MVP, a lot of froth, a lot of hype. And then that came and went, but then there was like those few like projects that were real, like ETHLine, which became Aave and other mm -hmm. ones that are now the pillars of DeFi. And you're going to have you know, the gaming projects of the future, whether they're Prime or Treeverse or Alluvium or whoever mm -hmm. else, they're going to be the pillars of GameFi in the future. And like, to, well, Kit, you know, gaming better than anyone else. Cause that's like your, your other job. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. so uh, pre- pretty crypto i actually used to build roblox games and i was the pm and ua for the roblox publisher that i was working oh, with no and shit, I also, yeah i also consulted companies like ncsoft as well as kojima productions so i got to work like really balls deep in the gaming space and then kind of right right when i saw axie i was like yo as much shit as people put on axie it truly changed the paradigm right it, it, it truly made it, it changed the paradigm of web3 gaming and there that's laudable and after that i was like yo is this the opportunity for me to marry kind of like my three loves of gaming crypto yeah. and like DeFi? and i was like yo that's why you know <laughs> I, I still love stable coins that's why i do this thing with dave on flywheel and frags here but you know my, my secret love in the corner is also with gaming yeah i think actually showed the world it was possible right and correct everyone was very shocked to see the size and speed at which that grew like i, I couldn't remember at the time um because i did some work with yield guild so i was always kind of close to like the axie mm-hmm. crew mm-hmm. and i couldn't remember at the time just seeing the numbers bro and there was documentaries done in the philippines on families yep. that like dude there were, there were families playing axie for five hours a day making more money than their job eight hours a day and it, it was like obviously it didn't last very long because it was dependent on token prices and volatility and you know sure <laughs> the hack but yeah. like uh, it was, it it was just really eye opening, and it was just kind of like, oh shit, maybe, maybe this can work. And I think what Parallel do really well is like learn from previous mistakes that they haven't even made. So some of the tokenomics issues that Axie had, they didn't know they had until they arised. Right. Uh, I feel like Parallel have already kind of pre-planned for. Like, mm. there's infinite ways to spend your prime, so people aren't incentivized to sell it. In order to actually earn it, you have to have a you know how much prime you earn is dependent on how many nft cards you have in your deck and what your win streak is and if you have this nft asset or that nft asset or what rank you are in game like there's so much incentive to play the game for a long time before you get to a point where you earn enough prime to actually capitalize and it's only going to be very few amount of people that can eat well off this like some of the people that i'm seeing in the top 10 i think i saw one today was it d dot you think he made like 10 or 11 prime in a day which is like you know like 80 bucks or whatever 90 dollars um to do that in a day from playing a game you love that you're probably going to go pro at anyway is really dope but if you guys hopped on parallel today and started playing you'd be lucky to make 0.003 per game so Mm. um there's there's a lot of incentive done in really creative ways that make it harder um, or that, that relieve this persistent sell pressure that we see across many other play to earn games. Um, uh, mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's very very cool. Even some of the oh, dude, I can talk forever about the mechanics, yeah. and I, I can glaze parallel all day. So stop me here. <laughs> yeah, um, switching gears a bit. As Kit said, we are you know into stable coins. This is the Frax podcast. So you know before before we end this or or anything, I, I want to get your thoughts on like what are your thoughts on Frax um you know in culturally speaking like how do you see it out in the wild in crypto and like what do you like about it and what could be improved Mark, what could be improved dude don't ask me that question <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, like, like design design vibe brand like you know your core <laughs> strengths like you know uh, please apply this here spread some of that you know i think for, for me like like globally in crypto i think stable coins are one of these like slept on markets for normies like I had a I had a conversation mm-hmm. today with um, one of the guys who's in the building next to mine in the office we in the room next to mine in the office we just rented and moved into today, 
I was talking to him about crypto and he sort of knew about a few things, but he really didn't have like much understanding about, you know, Tether or USDC or whatever. And he didn't even realize it was possible to have a token that can, I say, not go up and down in value, like not really. Um, and I, I was like talking to him about some of the applications that that has and still didn't really understand it. So I feel like in terms of education, like I feel like what you guys do in that respect is is strong and especially doing more stuff like this. A lot of people want to go sometimes for a podcast or something. They do one or two and it just kind of like stops. Yeah. Um, but I think like being consistent with that is strong. Branding, I think for Frax has always been dope. And for a while, the, re the so there was a time where once Solana NFTs went crazy, there was a project called Frax. And for the <laughs> longest time, I thought you were behind Frax. So it, wasn't oh, until, so it wasn't until months later that I even found out what Frax was. <clears throat> I realized it was something completely different. And that's when I was like, oh, this isn't Dave from that fucking stupid Solana thing. Like, so... I don't know, to, 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 wow. to see how long it's been around and been persistent in, in the community, I think is dope. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I just think education on you, on, on, I keep wanting to say USDC, education on stable coins, I think is going to be like one of the strongest maneuvers, I think, moving forward into a bull run is because people aren't aware of the application. Oh, yeah. And the use case, it's huge. I was uh, on the last podcast we did with uh, the premier guys, I was talking about how now with stablecoins, like you have like an, a new black hole for U.S. debt. You have like China, like they're like selling off their treasuries and other countries and like they're using the dollar less. But like now, like for, you know, the for people on the Internet and DAOs on the Internet and whatnot, you have like a black hole with stable coin, with dollar stable coins. And it's only going to get bigger. Like Tether's balance sheet was at 90 billion. Where's till that's at a trillion and more and and it keeps increasing and increasing. So I think like stable coins are underrated because it's like, oh, what? It's a fucking dollar. But yes, that's the point. It's a fucking yeah, dollar. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Tether made another billion today, no? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh. Banks oh, are going to love please. Tether. Like imagine <laughs> yeah. being a bank and you're holding like Tether's hundreds of billions of treasuries. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, but wasn't it after the FTX meltdown, weren't they processing like tens of billions of... I, I, I'm pretty sure Tether successfully processed withdrawals of like 15 billion dollars in 48 hours and everyone was like yeah. oh maybe they do have the money they say <laughs> the they money. have like yeah yeah it's like maybe the uh yeah. the audits on their site are legit after all wait where's bitfinex bitfinex on the ropes you mentioned earlier ftx and we didn't actually touch on it did you guys yeah. were you guys hit by ftx at all no no i never not. yeah i actually so, never used ftx so like I was uh, yeah, good there. I, I only ever used it to get like I would send money to FTX to buy Solana and then put it in my Phantom wallet. That was the only uh, time I ever used FTX. I did that a few times, but we, we I was in Dubai for Fight Night at the peak of the bull market and everyone was hit. It was like a day oh. or two before, dude. People were like flying in and finding out the news like on a plane Wi-Fi that oh, they just shit. lost like three million dollars. Yeah, no, it, it was fucking crazy. I was in Dubai too last year for fight night. I remember before I was in Lisbon and I'll never forget before I went to Dubai, 
I had bre- a very romantic breakfast with Satsart <laughs> at, our <Airbnb, laughs> at our Airbnb. And this is like, I remember just like, I was like waiting for my Uber at like 6 a.m. on the side of the road. And I'm looking at Twitter. Caroline's tweeting like, we'll come on, like we will sell you all the F- FTT you want at $22, uh, CZ. Like, you know, we're good. And like, there's people saying like, oh, I'm like sending money to FTX, they're good. There's gonna be air, blah, blah, blah. And I just remembered like having bre- like this McDonald's breakfast with Satsart. And then like, I have to go to my flight. I'm like, Sats, like, do you think FTX is solvent? And he's like, yeah, like, you know, I can't imagine them like, you know. Yeah, it's FTX. Falling. It's FTX. And I'm just like, this sounds a lot like Luna. It sounded so much like Terra yeah, Luna. Like I couldn't imagine it. And then, you know, got on the plane. Uh, and then when I got off the plane, it was when CZ, like Binance bought FTX. And then like, I was with Zor uh, and Zach. I remember and, um, just like that whole week, I just like wasn't sleeping just because the news was just nonstop coming out about it. Dude, between yeah, the like, was crazy. No, between like the, the time change between Elizabeth and Dubai and all the news coming out about it, because like FTX always gave me a bad feeling. This like SPF, SPF always gave me like bad vibes because I don't like people that are just like, yes, I'm like this, you know, effective altruism. And they show like one way, but it's like, dude, we know you're like a patrician. Like you don't have to like front yeah. with the way just you're acting. Eating a, eating a fucking raw eggplant in an interview just because. <laughs> yeah, it was just always sus. It was just always off. So, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 you go. And then a year later when I was uh, in, living in New York, that's when the trial was happening. So the trial is free to the public. So I just like roll through in the middle of the day. And oh, be- no shit. Yeah. And so you would, you can't have your cameras and they had you in overflow rooms and I'll never forget, like listening to all the testimonies there and saying like on November 6th, so moon Lord, moon overlord, so-and-so tweeted, blah, 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 like shit like that. Yeah. And then they had Caroline there and just like, she was, I'll never forget. She did this one testimony where she was like crying and she was saying she was recounting how she was relieved that FCX collapsed because she didn't have to hide the lie anymore. And she like literally cried in front of everyone. Wow. Yeah, it was really powerful. Oh, it felt like I was in a movie. Yeah. yeah. So like well, a year later and then, you know, he got convicted. Hopefully he doesn't get pardoned or anything. But uh, yeah, yeah I, crazy I times. I think, I don't think we so. might actually get lucky and see him, you know, have some justification for what he did. Yeah. Is that the right justice? Justice. Justice. Fuck. <laughs> not justification. Justice. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> not justification, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, he's fine. Yeah. What can the space do to prevent another SPF from happening? Like, is that even possible? Like, there'll always be new participants that are like easily so influenced. I think, I think. I think. Like the 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 precedence that the space is supposed to set is this like decentralized environment. So this is why we praised Yearn earlier, right? Wi-Fi yeah. is like. I think if if you look at any project that has had a big front leading successful founder, that it's a rug. I think the only one that is like still on the table is Richard Hart, right? But it's like you have fucking <laughs> bro. There's there's Luna. There's fucking BS uh, BSV. There's fucking um, FTX or like with FTT or whatever you fuck you want to call it. There's yeah. What else is there, bro? Like like there's there's an endless list of these grifters, right? And um, I think the ones that don't are probably a safer bet mm-hmm. um, or the ones that are just like super public about regulation or do it in a cool way is like Coinbase or something like that. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you say what you want about Coinbase, 
you know, I think since they've gone public and the stock dumped and now people can long it and they're making pretty decent money, suddenly everyone loves Coinbase and we all love bald people now. Um, I, I think like, this is actually a good point. Your question earlier about branding and stuff. Coinbase did this rebrand that was kind of like a fuck you SEC thing. Yeah. And it was done so, so well. It was like precise to the point, looked cool, had a new tone of voice and it changed my perception of Coinbase. Same here. And uh, I think that was done really, really well. So I just think like, you know, people say crypto.com looks shady from the outside. And even when I was there, I thought it felt a little shady, but it's not shady. It's just so super corporate. And uh, that it's super corporate yeah. and they are so, so compliant with everything they possibly can. Um, I think the, these companies are going to be the ones that succeed longest term but they might not have the most efficient cash flow because they're not doing any like dodgy shit. Uh, it's like when uh, when Coinbase did their IPO and they like released all of their public holdings and stuff like that and all their assets, it, everyone was like really surprised how little it was. Like they didn't really have that many assets at all in crypto. And you compare that to what FTX are doing daily, liquidating everyone who was making money on their fucking exchange. It's like, no wonder Coinbase doesn't have much money because they run a fucking well-oiled shit real business a real <laughs> fucking saying, business it's yeah. like the other the other day i was with my friend uh npc christian uh, who was a guest on the show um and he was he said something really funny and it was really true uh how ftx that was the most wealth destructive event from simping since the trojan war think from about simping? it from simping because of sbf <laughs> and caroline <laughs> True. Like literally, Carol, like yeah, SPF, yeah, let Caroline, who's off, god awful trader, did not hedge the range of this like multi billion dollar market making firm, and you know, if, if some, some of the other, yeah, some of the audio recordings and videos that I heard, whether it was leaked or it had to be released or whatever, from her on work calls or talking to groups and like staff or whatever, like she didn't have a fucking clue what she was doing, bro. Like she, she had zero clue. There's like, dude, the amount of memes I've seen about like blind people being like FTX risk department managers and stuff. Like, I, I don't know who was in charge of that side of things, but if Caroline had anything to do with that, it all just kind of makes sense. And I'm not actually up to date with what's happening with her in this case. Is she liable for anything? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, I don't think that's come out. I think they just want to get the SPF trial and then they're going to figure out the rest based on their cooperation and whatnot. And, and Sam Trabuco has not been mentioned once in the Not been mentioned case. once. He's yeah, definitely an informant. Definitely yeah. an informant. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He exited at just like the right times, like gone fishing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he just he's on his boat. Yeah, yeah, he's shadow boxing on a yacht right now. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Yeah. Co-CEO of Alameda getting out just in time. Good for him, bro. Round of applause for Trabuco. <laughs> yes. Sure. Tabasco. Tabasco sauce. <laughs> he got it. Tabasco sauce. Tabasco sauce. Top grifter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> grifter department. Grifter department. <laughs> Buy now. Loldify.com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think we're heading up on an hour and a half. So, you know, I think we should end it here. Unless anybody else had any other questions or anything else they wanted to say. Uh, we usually do our lightning round, but uh, yeah. Kit, go ahead. Yeah, so so I'll hit it up first. What was your uh, virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the blockchain? But sex doesn't count. <laughs> um, it would have been twenty 
2011 or 2012, we bought weed on the dark web with Bitcoin. The strain was called Stinky Bud. And the the, the name of the seller was called Traver. And it was the best fucking weed I've ever (laughs) bought in my entire life. This is like just how God intended. (laughs) Just how God intended. And that was that was like I didn't even do it. I was at my friend's house and I was watching him do it on his laptop and he was talking me through the process and I was just like, what the fuck it like what the fuck is this shit, bro? Like neither of us had any conception that this was a tradable asset or something to invest in or price would even fluctuate. It was like Oh, Bitcoin is, I think it was like 80 bucks or something, probably less than that. I don't remember. Or maybe we spent 80 pounds or it was something with the number 80. Don't remember how much Bitcoin was at the time, but it was just this thing we thought you had, it's just a step you had to take to buy the wheat. We were like, okay, you make, you you buy this and you send that and then you give the address. Okay, done. And we just thought it was like kind of funny and kind of interesting. And he then used it a few more times for some other stuff. And, you know, we had like a, we had our weed guy in the UK, but. It was just like fun to experiment with that stuff. But I think my first transaction, first transaction, it would have been, I think in terms of just like a a protocol, like something to play with online, like aside from experimenting with different Bitcoin wallets that I would download as an app and sending to and from each other to learn, I think it would be, first thing I could remember is, crypto kitties or ether lambos yeah. do you guys know about ether lambos <laughs> i heard of no. them i had some yeah. crypto kitties somewhere yeah ether lambos i think was just after and it was the first nft you could like upgrade so like you would buy this like 3d model it's not even 3d it was a fucking JPEG, oh i remember it, it was like a they, they made different supercars that were based on tokens it's so dumb looking back, but the actually the floor is like 0.2, 0.3 ETH, I think, because it has some like historical value now, but it's completely dry and illiquid. But um, yeah, it was just like this first thing where you go on a site, you you can mint the NFT of the car, they were limited edition. And then if you want, you could like upgrade the grill or like add a spoiler or like take the roof off for like these fees. It'd be like 0.2 ETH. And you would like take the roof off and it would like just update the JPEG. But at the time, one ETH was like a hundred bucks. And um, yeah, it was just like a fun thing to play with. And then you could simulate a race where you press a button and it's just like, you went this speed for this long and lost. <laughs> Try again. Like it was just, a, it was just funny, but yeah, that was, I, I would do anything to go back to those times and learn again. Cause that really like scratched my brain in a, in a fun way where I, doing something new for the first time that I thought was super cool. Um, speaking of, of doing fun things, uh, what is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity, hobbies and interests, aside tequila. from gaming? Oh, tequila. <laughs> tequila. Okay. Um, no, tequila or... Um, honestly, I'm a, I'm a really big food guy. Um, I, I really love good food. Um, I love, like, you know... I've got a number of like uh, friends, people I go out with all the time, especially here in London. Love pussy, you know. Um, love sushi. Love sushi, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, like, I think I, I'm, it's more of a social thing. Like, if, I'm, if I can be with people out doing stuff, mm-hmm. it's fun. Um, 
you know, I've developed a new love for traveling now. I like going to places I haven't been before, trying new shit. Went snowboarding for the first time last Christmas. Loved that. Um, yeah, whatever I can do socially with people I fuck with, which is cool. normally a small amount of people. I don't really like people, to be honest. Um, I keep a very small circle, but those that are in it, I love and always want to be hanging out doing stuff. Fuck yeah. Uh, what would be some advice to your younger self? Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> can't oh, do that. You can't say that one. You can't, can't say, say that, that one. Everyone that one says every that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, how young? How young is my um, Like high school. High school. Um, nothing matters. And the world is just people no smarter than you walking in and out of rooms, saying things to each other and making decisions. And there's nothing stopping, there's no difference between you and those people in those rooms. You just have to go into those rooms. So, you know, like I put a lot of pressure on myself for some personal reasons and family stuff to do really well in school, but I hated it. And I always struggled to do what I was told. Didn't do very well in school at all but let it really affect me for a long time. And um, yeah, I think just, just, just being aware that like, you know, just dude, nothing matters. We're a, you're a speck of dust on a rock floating through space. You're here for a short amount of time. Um, enjoy yourself. Don't be too self-destructive. And uh, my belief system is that my ability to imagine this microphone being here and then doing this, makes me God because I created a reality that didn't exist one second before. And if you have that mindset, whether it's something as simple as moving this to here or making your first million in crypto or creating a fun, successful merch brand that is fun downtime that you can make money from, whatever it is, having kids, that's, it's all on you and you can just go do it. So just shut the fuck up and go do it and be happy. Fuck Yeah. Again, um, and final question on my part: uh, Who would you recommend as a guest? Who would you want to see on the show? Ooh, um, who would I want to see as a guest on the show? Fuck, there's so many. Um, I want to say Grug. Oh. Um, but the thing about Grug is he gets on these types of shows, he gets way too technical and it becomes a very niche episode. <laughs> so, oh, that's so annoying. Okay. I've been trying to get Grug on for so long. I've been really? asking him. Yes. Yes. Love Grug, always, dude. I've been trying so hard and I, he just hasn't been able to come on, but I'd love to have Grug on it. Cause like we go really technical on this show. We yeah. go deep on this show. So like, mm, Grug, well, I think, I think I, he, he, he would be great. I think. Um, yeah. We have some episodes that really get, you yeah. know, down in the trenches. So or, we'd love to have Grug head. Yeah. Um, he won't do it because he's kind of private, but Rookie has a very, very unique story, um, especially with his introduction to crypto and um, how he found his way and the, the some of the losses he had and, you know, how he made everything back. And he has a really, really, really fascinating story and not enough people know about it. Mm. Um, and he's also way smarter than people give him credit for. And I think he 
can be a little bit shy unless you know him really well. But I think if he spoke about it more, he would have a people would have a lot of newfound respect for him. So um, rookie would be dope if Grog's more approachable. Grog would be amazing, dude. I love Grog. Yeah, Grog. If you hear this, come on. Have an open invitation, <laughs> rookie. You too. I'd love to have I'll, Kobe. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll message Grog and see, dude. Kobe yes, is off yeah. the fucking radar for now. Oh, he is. He's yeah, just enjoying I haven't seen life. Him in a minute. Yeah, I think he's in like uh, he's like, I think he's in like Argentina or some shit right now. But somewhere in the um, world, touching yeah, grass. Seen, yeah, Patagonia. just touching grass and sand. I haven't seen him in a long ass time, but I think last time we spoke, he, um, I think he's he he basically said he's kind not like done with crypto, but he said I'm just fucking, I just want to chill, bro. He's you he, like just living life, traveling with his girl, you know, spending time with his family and buying houses and shit i guess <laughs> i don't know he seems pretty happy though That's yeah good. good for him one yeah. day soon maybe uh but love DeFi, laugh out loud decentralized finance thank you so much for coming on uh, we thank hope you to see sir. you soon and i'll see you at whatever the next event or conference is yeah definitely appreciate you guys thank you for inviting me and uh yeah until next time boys Till next time Sweet. All right, everyone, welcome to the post game. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K, wrapping up a phenomenal interview with Laugh Out Loud Decentralized Finance. Uh, this was an hour and a half long, maybe a little bit more, and we talked about a wide range of topics. We got into his life, BC, before crypto, and fashion. We got into you know how he got into crypto, what he was doing last bear market, DeFi summer, the uh, coming of the LOL DeFi yeah. merch and rug. And the creation of that exact shirt. Uh, this exact shirt. So sick. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, everything in between. But, like, you, it's really cool to hear someone that's crypto native and hear their run up and not only, like, becoming su successful, but staying successful. And the one thing that really stuck up to, stuck out to me about Lol DeFi was he's still hungry. Like, he's made it, but he's still hungry. He's still creating stuff. He's still mm -hmm. staying up all night. Like thinking of new ideas, uh, you know, getting those thousand pictures in daily. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? Dude, I, you know, normally for these like vibey podcasts, I'm, I'm usually not the one to engage so much. But this one, I felt like drawn to ask questions and really pulled into the conversation because he's just really different. And yeah. I think it's, it's yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. his, uh, you know, who Anon project. I, I really like a lot yeah. and also uh, his whole backstory and coming into this thing is just super interesting. Yeah. Also with all the gaming stuff. Right. Yeah, obviously yeah. that, that, that tickled my yeah. fancy for sure. Yeah. No, I've really enjoyed this interview because we got to like really get behind like his thought process and thinking. Um, and I think that's really important if you want to be successful or if you're like trying to emulate successful people like how do they think like what do they do daily like you don't have to copy exactly what they do daily but you can kind of get like an idea and be like hey how could i take what uh, what they're doing right. whether it's like whether they're being a trader or a whether framework. they're being a creative or yeah it's a framework that you can follow yourself yeah i i think that's why i wanted to ask like that was one of my key questions that i'm glad i got to squeeze it in is like what was his what is his creativity process and I couldn't believe he laid it out like really tactically too, like mm -hmm. something that you and I could do, you know, if we were to be stuck in a creative block, I could totally see myself taking on that um, yeah. advice and doing it. Yeah. Honestly, like I, thinking about all the merch we made last year and like thinking about how we can improve upon it this year. Cause you know, we're cooking stuff for yeah. East Denver and 
Yep, yep, soon. yep. Um, little DeFi collab. Am I hearing this? No, I. A little DeFi. We'll, we'll talk after. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I think we can make some like really cool. I mean, like I'm saying, like the merch stuff line we made last year, especially yeah, with our yep. cherry blossom shirts in Paris, um, and our J- J- Japan shirts. I feel like whenever we drop something, uh, Twitter was a buzz. But I've always forgot. To, I always didn't have the link ready. I'm just like, oh fuck. But like those shirts are even rarer because of that. Um, but like little DeFi like understands like what's cool, how to get out there. He's clearly a visionary when it comes to like 100%. fashion and stuff. Like when I saw this shirt, like it fucking slapped and I'm just like, I got to cop this right now. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. Um, but do you have a favorite part of the interview? Um, let me think about this. There was actually many pockets that I, I really loved. Um, I think the main thing is the look at a thousand pictures and then don't try to make a connection. Um, and then the, the last part, the very last thing about advice to his younger self is that, you know, the world are just filled with people who are not smarter than you. And they're just in rooms having rooms conversations. Yeah, and you get yourself into that conversation, but you got to do shit. So go do shit. Right. I think it's yeah. both empowering, but also motivating at the same time to have that exactly. kind of mentality. No, that's the mentality you have. You can hear it yeah. early on in his career when... When it was yep. that YouTube channel with being with the ICO reviews, he was like, I'm going to get myself in this room. He like made the video yep. and got in. And that example was a microcosm of like everything he's done after that. Dude, and also, I, I want to highlight that hearing him come from like a fashion industry, which all like the who's who's and like, you know, all the top dogs and all the, you know, uh, upper echelon, upper crust people are kind of commingling. And he still has that mentality. And that kind of advice, I think, like hits harder. It's yeah. even harder, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I hope we get on like Grug and Rookie. Dude, Grug, if you're hearing so this, good. please come on. Oh, and I, I loved hearing the stories, like the graphic stories that he had. <laughs> he was like, "Yep, like oh, uh, like you know, we had the dinner and like all this shit was happening in the bathroom." Or like, "Oh, like you know, I, I had my single phase and you know, was just just fucking around a lot." Like. <laughs> Like, no oh, holds bar. I was like, yeah, I feel that. That's um, a lot of coke in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can just hear cl- uh, people like clipping that out and just like yeah. <laughs> taking like the pickle and like putting yeah. it on like uh, Scarface's head. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, well, people do that. I guess we'll find out. Um, but if you want to catch that make sure you go hit that bell button subscribe to uh, flywheel d5 leave us a comment let us know what you think give us a like uh make sure you follow us on all our, all of our socials at flywheel d5 on twitter tiktok and telegram make sure you uh, subscribe to our website and newsletter flywheeldefi.com and you can follow me on twitter at dave 22 you can follow me at zero x capital underscore k and we'll see you next week peace Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.